Welcome to Tapping Into Spirit, where we discuss and explore issues related to spirituality in a manner that questions everything. We start from a premise that everything comes from somewhere and work to understand the unexplainable. We always endeavor to have a great time discussing a serious topic with the hopes of offering inspiring thoughts and ideas that allow for growth, evolution, and transformation. We always begin by inviting Spirit to join us in this conversation and guide our words and intentions so that we express things in a manner that is true and inspirational. And we are always thankful and extremely grateful for the opportunity to serve. Greetings, I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Smith. And today I'm joined by my co-host, Glenda Jones. Hi. And we are be- being joined today by Ifetayo Fakayode, who is a priestess in the Yoruba tradition, and she is going to enlighten us about her path and the things that she's learned and the way that she practices and understands spirit as it relates to how she practices and does what she does. So welcome. Thank you for being here with us today. Ikaro. I do pray. Thank you for having me. Okay. And so what did you say for our listeners? So Ekaro is good morning and Adupe is thank you. Mm-hmm. And, and so, these are words of the Yoruba tradition. These correct? are words of the Yoruba tradition, of the mm-hmm. Yoruba language. Mm-hmm. Yes. Greetings, yes. Greetings, okay. absolutely. All right. <laughs> we thank you for greeting us. And we want to open up a conversation with you uh, about spirit. As you know, our podcast, Tapping Into Spirit, we want to get a sense of who you are and how you have come to understand spirit and the way it manifests in your life. So um, we'd like to first get a sense of who you were early on. How did you first come to understand spirit as a child? Well, I grew up in South Florida, Mm -hmm. and um, my mother was... um, Caribbean, we were Caribbean descendants, who of course we came over from the Bahamas and settled in the Coconut Grove area. And um, of course, my mom was at, she attended the Catholic Church. And as children, we were, because she also worked at the church in the cafeteria, we were afforded the opportunity to attend school in the Catholic Church. And it was shortly after um, that um, growing up in the inner city area that we were then introduced to the Baptist Church and then, of course, to the Pentecostal Church. So I attended Sunday school and Sunday service and Wednesday Bible study on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Growing up, my mother was very active in um, attending church. We had an altar in our home, Mm -hmm. and so that was interesting after learning a lot more about spirituality. We actually had um, services where we would sit before the altar at home and have these spirit sessions. Mm -hmm. 
Really? Yes, absolutely. What, can you tell us what the altar looked like? Okay, so the altar at home had the statue of the Virgin Mary on mm -hmm. it, and it also had candles, and it had flowers. My mother would put flowers on that altar every Sunday morning, fresh flowers. And, of course, we had pictures of um, members of our families that had passed mm -hmm. on, and um, little tokens on, on the altar that represented um, one or two of the family members, maybe a token like a piece of jewelry or something okay. that they left behind or left to my mom. And we had that altar there and she would sit us all down at the altar like candles and we would say our prayers and we would meditate um, at that altar. Like I said, it had a very large statue of the Virgin Mary, dressed mm -hmm. in blue and white. And um, so we did that at home, and then we also did the church thing at church on Sundays and Bible study on Wednesdays. So what this altar, was that a part of the church, or was that just something your mom was doing on her own? At the time, as a child, I thought it was a part of the collective spirituality that had been established from church because of course the Virgin Mary was the image uh, the imagery that came from the Catholic Church mm -hmm. so at the time I thought it was something that was connected okay. and it probably was at some point connected but I um, as I grew up and as I started studying on my own and moving more into a traditional understanding of spirit I recognized that what my mom was doing back then was pretty much handed down through tradition. Mm -hmm. And it came more from um, African descendants as opposed to being connected to the Catholic Church. Okay. Did you ever talk to her about that? I did have conversations with her um, later on in life about that. And... Um, you know, my mom was a very knowledgeable woman in a sense that she, um, her and my grandmother um, were um, traditional healers, put it that way, mm -hmm. um, without ever saying that that's what it was. You mm -hmm. know, they used herbs mm -hmm. all the time. They used, um, you know, just different prescriptions that they would bring together from plants and things that they would draw on a piece of paper and send us out into the wooded areas to find and bring back. As a child, I remember people coming over that were sick and then they would end up walking out okay the next day or so. There was a room in the back of the house where people were, you know, wrapped in garments and you know, medicine was applied to help heal them. I was way too young to totally understand what was going on at that time. Um, but it was all done in um, in a uh, very um, loving and enlightening kind of way. It wasn't anything negative. I never sensed anything negative. I always sensed that people came because they needed help and they wanted help and my mom and my grandmother would help them mm -hmm. i'm kind of curious as to how that may have connected at, if at all with 
you're Christian. Like you said, you all at some point attended the Baptist church, but you're still doing what? Traditional. Traditional. Mm-hmm. Well, really, it sounds like traditional African practices or African-centered practices. There, you- there, was, there was no conflict in the sense that... Um, like I said, people were being helped. People were being given medicine to heal them. So there was, there was, at that time, I didn't feel a conflict in any way. I don't know if my mom ever felt a conflict. She didn't. She was always a person that her, her door was always open to everyone. And like I said, people would come in sick and she would administer medicine and and they would stay, sometimes stay for days, and then eventually they would leave and they would be healed. So, and, and it wasn't a conflict. She would pray for them. She would use the same prayers that she used at church for them. And, but she just had a gift mm-hmm. of healing, of using herbs to heal. So I don't think that there was a conflict. I didn't feel a conflict even growing up being really committed to Christianity at the time and looking back at what my mother did, I didn't see a conflict there. I didn't feel a conflict there. I think that's really interesting because it seems very open-minded to me. Mm-hmm. And I admire that. Mm-hmm. I really do. I, yeah. I like that. You know, I, I, you know, now that I know what I know, <laughs> you know, I, I look back and I'm kind of glad that my mother didn't give up on what she and my grandmother learned from her mother. And I I um, I regret not learning more from her. You know, even at the time when she was sick on you know on, on her transitional bed, I you know, at that time I had already I, you know, I transitioned and I knew a little bit more and I was trying to get more, you know, from her at that time. And learn more from her at that time, but um, yeah, there was no conflict. Love that. There was no conflict whatsoever, mm-hmm. and you know, even looking back now, I don't see a conflict in what she was doing. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I'm with you on that. Mm-hmm. So, as a child, being given this knowledge or being taught this knowledge, were you interested in learning? Or was it like, eh, okay, okay, I got to learn this? I, I always stayed close to the, to the divine. I always felt that I, I always had a spiritual connection. I was very dedicated in going to church all the time. I read my Bible. I had a desire to know God and, 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 and have a true personal relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so... I've always wanted that connection. Okay. Always wanted that connection. So when they were sending you out, you, you mentioned she would draw a picture of, of the leaf, of a, and you would go out. You and your siblings, or just you? Me and my siblings would go out, and we would pick those leaves out of the wooded areas that were near our house and bring them back. And it's funny because That's I was amazing. Yeah, it is. It, it is amazing. And it's funny because I was with one of my mentors in the traditional West African Orisha practice a couple of years ago out in Phoenix. And we were actually having the same conversation. 
And I was saying to her, you know, I really wish I could remember this particular leaf that my mother and my grandmother would wrap on the legs. People would come in with swollen legs, like infantigo and stuff like that. And they would wrap this leaf around the leg. They would pat it with ammonia and they would wrap those legs with white fabric. Tight, 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 tight. And they would sit them in a room with boiling water and onions sitting next to the bed. And in a couple of days, all the swelling would be gone. And I was standing there with her and I was like, you know, I really wish I could remember what that leaf was. And that very night, my mother came to me in the spirit, in my dreams, and told me the name of the leaf. And let me see, okay, what's the name of the leaf? Um, Palmer Christian leaves is what it was. And I had not, I had not, I could not remember that. Until that night, I, I was talking to her, and I, we, and I was at, my mother came to me and gave me the name of that leaf. And the next morning, I woke up, and I said, yeah, the name of the leaf is, and she said, and she looked it up, and we were like, yes, yes, yes. So I do wish I was more in tune or more African-centered to want and to desire to have gotten that more knowledge, have, to have gotten more knowledge from my mom before she transitioned. But we still got that connection, as you can see. Okay. It's okay. quite obvious that you have a strong relationship with spirit. Absolutely. I'm interested in knowing, as a child, what are some of your early memories or experiences that you can remember where spirit presented itself in your early years? Wow, it's interesting you would ask me that question because I had an experience where my father passed away a very um, while I was very young. I was like 14, 13 years old. And my, my father never lived in a home with me. He, um, we had maybe very sporadic encounters. But one encounter we had, he came to like my 10th or 13th, it was, it, was, it was right before he passed away, like my 13th birthday. And we were dancing in the middle of the floor, whatever. So he was um, tragically killed and, and um, transitioned. And he wasn't such a good person. I have to put that out there. He wasn't really a good person. Mm -hmm. So... Um, I went on and grad. I went on and I was in junior high school at the time that when he passed away. And so, in senior high school, I had a dream about my father, and the dream was about that thirteenth birthday party that I had. That we were dancing in the middle of the floor, but I was dancing. He was not at the party. Now we lived in a project home in Liberty City. And um, there was the, the living room and the kitchen. You, you actually left the living room, you went into the kitchen. And then there was a window that was facing the back of the, of the house, of the, the, the project unit. So in this dream, I walked out of the living room into the kitchen and he was standing in the backyard. And so when I went, he gestured to me to come. And so I went out the back door and he said, I want you to come and go with me. And I said, Dad, no, I don't want to come. I want to finish high school. None of mom's kids have ever finished high school, and I want to be the first. I want to finish high school. So he said, okay. He turned around, and he walked away, and I came back in the house, and I woke up. Wow. 
So then I finished high school and I went on to um, college. At this time, I was at the University of Miami and I was a very active person. We li still lived in the projects in <laughs> Liberty City and I was at University of Miami. So one day I decided I was going to ride my bike home. And I rode my bike from University of Miami to Liberty City on 65th Street and 20-something 20, 20 Avenue. And how far would that be about? That, that had to be probably about 20-something miles, 25 or 26 wow. miles. It was okay. crazy. It was okay. crazy. But I was really, you know, into, you know, sports and working out and dancing. I was a dancer. So one night I went to sleep and I had a dream. The dream was I was, I was riding my bike from University of Miami trying to get home. And I had to come across this empty parking lot on the bike. I was coming across the empty parking lot. And this car that looked like a detective car, it was beige, came across the parking lot and it cut me off. And there was two Caucasian men sitting in the front and my father was sitting in the back seat. And he got out of the car, he opened the door and he said, come on, I want you to come and go with me. And I said, Dad, I can't go with you yet. I want to finish college. I said, I'm in college. Can you believe that? You know, because nobody in my family had ever gone to college at that time. And I said, I want to finish college. And so he got back in the car and he pulled away and he left. And I got on the bike and I went ahead and drove went and rode home. And I woke up. So that was the dream. So in 1989, I graduated from college in 88, in the fall of 88, because I, I, I was supposed to graduate in the spring of 87, but because I had transferred from UM, my mother could not afford the tuition at UM, and I ended up going to Florida Memorial, so I was a semester behind, and I graduated in the fall of 88. And at the time, I was attending New Way Fellowship Baptist Church, and that was like the largest African-American church in Miami. And I was very active at that church. And at the time, I had just considered giving my life, quote unquote, giving my life to Christ. And this is the beauty of this, because it just shows us how connected spirit is, regardless of what path you decide to take mm -hmm. to connect with the divine spirit. When your heart and your mind is sincere, you're going to be connected to spirit. Just yes. as simple as that. Let's yes. get that. Let's, let's lay that out, you know, first and foremost. So I have dedicated my life to Christ. This was in 1989, April of 1989. I can remember that. And um, shortly after that, my father came to me in a dream. He had on a purple garment. He was lying on a stretcher, and it was, it was wheeling him into like a hearse. And he said to me, why did you do that? Now you can't come and go with me. And I had never had a dream about my father since. For years after that. When I came into my transition into African spirituality, which was uh, around 1994, no, around 1996 is when I really made my transition. And then I started studying and I started connecting with people in the community that were African-centered. And then finally, um, I moved to North Carolina 
which is where I met you, Anthony. <laughs> and um, I um, was a part of an Elay there, and I took like some of the first some of the first steps in in um, as a devotee of West African Arisha. And so when I was introduced to that at that time, I was told that I needed to have an ancestral altar. Well, you guys know that wasn't hard for me, right? right. Because of what that my mother right. was doing, I finally learned that that's what that was. It was an ancestral altar because of the pictures of my ancestors that had already passed. So I set up my ancestral altar, but because I didn't have such a great relationship with my father, I had questioned whether or not I should even put him on the altar. I knew that he wasn't a good person. You know, he had some issues here on this side of of um, spirit. <laughs> and um, so I questioned whether I should even put him on the altar. And my mentor at the time said yes. So what I did is I had this big, beautiful picture of my grandmother, as you can see. I had this big, beautiful picture of my mother. And I had these big, beautiful pictures of everybody. But my father, I took a little, small picture. And I put it on the corner of the altar. And I can honestly say, whenever I would dress the altar, I wouldn't really address the spirit of my father. I would always address my other ancestors that I thought were more spiritually connected. They did better things when they were on this side of spirit and those types of things. I never really connected with my father. It took 28 years and I had a dream. I was in a courthouse and I was standing in the front of the courthouse directing something. I don't know what it was. My father entered the courthouse. He sat at the very back of the courthouse in the last row. And I saw him there, but I continued doing what I was doing. I was addressing either the court or I don't know what it was I was doing, but I was doing something. Finally, my father stood up turned and walked out and I ran out the door and I grabbed him and I said why are you leaving he said but you're busy and he looked brand spanking new Wow. okay he his hair was beautiful his face had a radiant light on it and he came back he said I came to take a picture with you I came to take a picture with you. And he came back into the room. I said, well, let's take the picture. We took the picture and then he left. And so I came in at this point now, I know a little something, something, right? <laughs> so I'm like, I had already been initiated to, you know, a Google and all of that. I'm like, okay, now I know a little something, something. Let me find out what's going on here. Well, come to find out it took 28 years for me to elevate my father in the spirit. It would not have taken that long if I did not minimize him. If I did not minimize him on my altar, it would not have taken me that long to elevate him in the spirit. So you asked me my experience with spirit? 
There you have it. That's only um, one, but yeah, I think that's powerful. a good one. Very, very powerful. powerful. Yeah. Very powerful. Yeah. And I can remember going to Google and asking and they're confirming, you know, and what I needed to do, the bow I needed to do and all that stuff. I actually, you know, had all of that done and it was it was just a beautiful testimony to me, you know, that that we have the power to do that. Yes. We don't just because our ancestors were not great people in the physical, there's still an opportunity for them to reach or to elevate in the spiritual. Mm, okay. All right. So <laughs> we need to go back and slow walk some of this because <laughs> we have people who may not understand a lot of the terminology that you're using and, and may not understand what it means um, to transition through the process you talked about. So okay. let, let's go back to, you, you mentioned going from the church in 89 to in 94, mm -hmm. making a decision to enter, 94, 96, to 96. enter into um, African spirituality. Mm -hmm. So go through that and bring us in into your understanding of what, even pushed you in that direction and how you began to appreciate even you described you talked about an ELA talk about what that is and how you became introduced to that okay so that's a very that was a very long and I and, and I I normally tell people that that was a very long painful process because the process from the Asia. transitioning from Christianity into West African okay. Orisha mm -hmm. that was like almost being born again, okay. honestly. Mm -hmm. But there were there were many different facets in my life that was operating and getting me to that point. I was a dancer, like I told you, mm -hmm. and um, I I studied ballet, modern. I actually had gotten a scholarship to go to Alvin Ailey and all of that. And at the time, I, at the time, I'm, my mom was very protective. I was 17 years old, so she wouldn't let me go at that time. So I was dancing here in Miami. I actually planted the first um, dance ministry here in Miami because I was I, I said, God, this is my gift. This is this is what I have to give you. So I, I was very instrumental in in having that accepted in the church. Mm -hmm. So I, I go back to the beginning of that and we did a lot of cantatas and a lot of different things like that in the city. But anyhow, how I transitioned, I was trained in ballet, modern and jazz. Mm -hmm. And so I decided that I needed to expand my um, knowledge of dance and take an African dance class. And so I went to the, my cultural arts center here in Miami, and at the time there was a group there um, teaching African dance, and they had an African dance uh, company called Kakuma Adisa. And so they decided to take me on as a student, and I was like, I was terrible, I, I, because I was, I was a trained, turned out ballerina, you know. And but they took me on, and they, and they taught me African dance, and. As they began to teach me, the movements and the choreography had such meaning to it because they didn't just teach you how to dance. They would tell you the meaning behind the movement mm 
the names of the movement. And then the songs that we were singing and the meaning of the songs piqued my curiosity. Because, you know, everything African, as you're taught here in this country back in that day, was all negative. Yes. So even they would say, oh, that's, that's, that's ritual dancing. You don't need to do that. That's, you know, but because we didn't understand it, we were afraid of it. But I was afforded the opportunity with this particular dance company to um, really teach me in detail the movements. You know, when a, when a woman was pregnant, we did this movement, and this movement was a, gest- a gesture to... Um, accent the pregnancy of the woman and you know all these things that with your hands you're describing (laughs) yeah the the movement of your hands from the top of your chest to the bottom of your stomach out and over and it and it represented you know the coming of life and it just became i became so curious so curious about all these things and so that's what started my study of the african culture and I went on to um, dance professionally with Kakuma Adisa for several years and learned more songs. And then from there, the teachers of the, uh, of the African dance company were West African Orisha practitioners. So I was exposed at that point to you know, their spirituality and how they live their lives. And I, at that time, I, I didn't branch over into that. I just started saying, you know, God, you're, you know, I want to know you in your fullness. I want to know all there is to know about you. I don't want to keep you in this box that I feel that is limiting me. And so I began to study. I began to study about the history of the Bible. And of course, that takes you back to Egypt. And then I started studying, you know, the Mayotte religion and, and, you know, the Egyptians and that takes you to the now and the now takes you to Nubia and it, and it, and you move on from there. And, and I just continue to study the different cultures until I connected what my mom was doing to the Yoruba culture and the spirituality of West African Orisha. So that was my journey. But now understand it that the foundation of Christianity and the foundation of Af- West African Orisha is very different. And so that took some transitioning within my spirit and the things that I, I truly held dear in my heart, in my mind, in my soul. And so though peeling back those layers were very painful. And what, what, can you describe what was painful about it? Like you are, it, it sounds like to me, it's almost undoing, unlearning something mm-hmm. and learning something new at the same time. Well, when you say unlearning something, my thing is that if if you feel that your whole existence is based on a particular theology. Your whole existence in this world, the, the creation of the world, mm-hmm. the creation of every other human being mm-hmm. is based on this that theology. And then you learn that 
Well, no, possibly. It could be based on a whole totally different theology. You have to transition from believing in that one foundational theology to, first of all, studying and understanding the other one and then accepting that now as your foundational theology. Okay. The beauty about West African Orisha and, and studying Ifa is Ifa doesn't claim to be the only path to the divine, but you've got to get there first. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so moving from Christianity that, that teaches you that's the only way to God, venturing out of the gates of that, not really knowing where you're going to land, is very fearful. And so then, once you grasp the understanding of the theology that I live my life based on now, and now knowing that, you know, there's different paths to the divine. You know, religion is a subset of culture. Mm -hmm. So everybody established how they're going, within their culture, how they're going to connect to God. Yes. But you, you don't learn that. Until after you've peeped outside of Christianity, which is what you're taught not to do in Christianity. Okay. So it takes some so warrior. You had you had to overcome the fear, mm -hmm. especially if you really, really believe this. Mm -hmm. If you really, you've really built your faith on it, you have to overcome the fear of leaping outside of those boundaries and learning, truly learning. The omnipotence of God, the omnipresence of God, and so what were you fearful was going to happen? Well, you're going to die and go to hell. Right. <laughs> that's obvious because that's what you're taught. Because that's what you're taught. <laughs> and where your experience, Anthony, um, was one where you questioned from a young age, mm -hmm. and so did I. What I understand from Ife Tayo, she was all in. 100%. Everything in her. Everything You're in all me. in. I was all in. And then you have to break that down mm -hmm. and step away from it. And that's your foundation. It could separate you from your family. It could separate you from everything. And your, you your whole social structure. Yes. Your whole so and, and it has done that. It has done that. As, as, as a West African Orisha practitioner, devotee, um, Awo, whatever you want to call me, it has separated me from my family members. Mm. It has separated me socially from some of my friends that, that knew me back in the day. You know, people constantly ask, how did you get there? Because mm. they know where I was. How did you get, you are a priestess? <laughs> you are, you, you initiate, you went to Africa and you initiated in the West African Orisha uh, practice. How did you, how did you, Dawn, of all people, get there? Mm -hmm. You know, and and I'm very cautious as to even who and how I share with, because I know what it takes. Mm -hmm. And now that I've settled in within myself with the understanding of of Ifa and the teaching of um, Odu, that they're okay. They're okay. They don't have to go through what I've gone through. They're okay. Spiritually, they're okay. Mm -hmm. They're going to be connected to, 
to the divine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I have a couple questions. Go ahead. I would like for her to, she says Ephi, mm. to tell us what is Ephi, mm-hmm. so that some of our listeners will understand what is Ephi. And then she said, Oh, do. Ephi. And Oh, do. We need to get those terms. Okay. Um, Am I going too far? I just want to get the peeking out. Okay. Right? She, was, she was peeking out. Okay. And she's describing the fear. And the, I think pe- the peeking out is studying now. The peeking out is studying and reading and, and constantly reading. Reading about, like I said, first of all, I started with reading the Bible. Mm-hmm. Then I started with reading the history of the Bible. And then I started with reading commentations and, and reading books. And then, you know, then it took me into, like I say, studying Moses and what he studied, mm-hmm. which was the Egyptian religion and studying the, and then finding out about the negative, 40, the 42 negative confessions of Mayot mm-hmm. and how that linked up with the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. So then I went on that path, you know. So it was studying. That was the peep out. Okay. And so... <laughs> As you're getting knowledge, mm-hmm. and it's contradicting what you've been invested with. Exactly. Now you're in a state of dissonance. Exactly. That. Exactly. And so that's the fear of okay, what am I doing here? Yeah. Exactly. Am I accurate in describing that? Ex- exactly. Okay. Exactly. And then at some point, you overcome the fear. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, you do overcome the fear. And what? Speak about that. Well, you know, like I said, my um, path that I finally ended up on was studying West African Orisha. And, well, understanding, first of all, that religion is a subset of culture. Mm-hmm. And knowing that in my travels around the world, you know, I've seen people, you know, love and worship God just as much as I was doing, but in a whole different religion. Mm-hmm. And it made me understand that, you know, God also um, honored those people as well. Mm-hmm. So it made, I, in, in my studies, I realized that since religion was a subset of culture, um, no, since, yes, yeah, since religion was a subset of culture, what was my culture? And what was the religion that was a subset of my culture? Right, okay. And that's how I got to... West African Orisha Yoruba because the Yorubas came over. They settled in. There was a settlement, a Yoruba settlement in Cat Island, which is where my family was from. They migrated from Cat Island over to Nassau, and then from Nassau over to Coconut Grove, the area where the Bahamians came into the U.S. and helped build the railroads and helped build Miami and all of that. So that's I kind of went on that path, mm-hmm. and so. That's how I when, I, when I traveled the world and I saw people, you know, practicing all these different religions, Buddhist, Hinduism, and all that, and how they were connected to God and loved God just as much as I did and believed in their faith just as much as I did, I, I couldn't discount that. Right. I could not discount that. I, and, if, and if my God was as big as I thought he was, he wouldn't. He wouldn't, he, he wouldn't discount those people, mm-hmm. that's right. yeah. and so that's kind of how that's kind of how I reconciled and came, you know, came around. I can remember the very day of lying on my face, crying on the floor yes. when I was in Jacksonville, Florida, and understanding, saying, "God, you're so much bigger than I thought you were." <laughs> <laughs> ah, because you limited him, you made him small. Well, him, 
Are you saying oh, yeah. him? Ooh, ooh. Are you saying him? Ooh, I'm gonna call yeah. you out on that. But I know, I know, right. I know. But you know what? The, the, there's there's a book one of the ears wrote. It's called The Core of Fire, and it talks about how those things that are so ingrained mm-hmm. in us will always come out. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you always say, "Oh Jesus," you know, or you know, because those things yeah. are so ingrained in us, we don't know how much of a of a of a stamp those things have on our DNA, right. yes. on, on our ori, on, on, on all, everything that is within us. And it takes, it's like changing your DNA yeah. when you move from that. So you're going to constantly always say him. You're going to refer to God as him. We're going to always say, oh, Lord, oh, Jesus, or something, you know. You, some people move from that eventually, but it's ingrained yeah. in us. Well, we've interviewed a family who... Their children, all they know is African tradition. So because they, they were raised in right, that from the, from the beginning, they were not so, exposed to the other right. stuff. So, so it, not, it's possible to create. I think. Oh yeah. A whole other, it's possible to have a blank slate of a child and oh, yes. go into parenting and. Not put in all of the, the other stuff. stuff. Even with yeah. what you might choose to do, or what, right? Allowing for, like you, like I heard you say earlier, there are many paths to God, mm-hmm. and allowing for your children to grow up with in the that African, under, the African-centered yeah. path. Absolutely, yeah. that absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Because yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. Okay, so going back to my transition sure. and mm-hmm. how 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 I got there, I um. So I I had my warriors. I, I I went through that. Did we get there? No, no we hadn't got that? there. Wait. All right. So you were on your face and oh. you cried and you said, "God, you're so much greater and bigger." bigger. Okay. So then I started looking. Right. Imagine. Okay. So then I started looking at culture and where my family was from so we did talk about that that they were from Mm -hmm. the yoruba tradition the the yoruba culture they came over to cat island so then i started investigating that you know what do the yorubas practice and i had already been exposed to west african orisha because of the dancing and you know and all of that stuff and so that is why i decided to learn more about that path Fortunately, unfortunately, doing that process, I lost my child. Well, lost my child. My child transitioned, and that had a drastic effect on me, on my mental, psychological state Mm -hmm. at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, It was my only child. I had waited 10 years to have him. You know, my husband and I had... We, you know, we just, we had everything laid out in life for us or whatever. And, you know, we had this beautiful, you know, child and then he passed away at the age of five and it just really, really had an effect on me. Mm-hmm. At that time, I had already been exposed to, you know, West African Arisha and, and I know that I needed divination. I needed to go and check what it was I needed to do to help me get past this loss Mm -hmm. get past the pain get past all of what was going on with me and um 
I went and I had divination done and, you know, they said that you needed to, you know, the, the, the old dude that fell, you know, said that I should go to Ifa. I should go and be initiated to Ifa. And, of course, you know, at that time it was like, okay, but what does that mean? What does that look like? You know, and um, I just started searching to connect with some people that could help me make that happen. Because at that, I just wanted the pain to go away. I wanted to, you know, just become, I wanted to feel normal again. You know, and not not cry, not go through all that I was going through with the loss of my child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I found um, I had already started. Um, the first thing I did is I packed all my bags and I moved three states north. So I ended up in North Carolina and um, I was doing Bikram's yoga at the time. And um when one day I was in class and a young lady walked in class, she had a leggings around her neck and I said to her, is there a Yoruba community here? Leggings are? The beads, the holy beads she had around her neck. Mm-hmm. And I asked her, I said, is there a Yoruba community here? And she said, yes. And I said, really? And she said, yes. She said, we'll talk about it after class. And so um, after class, she and I talked about it and she ended up she ended up introducing me to my first mentor teacher of West African Arisha. Well, I thought it was West African Arisha. At the time I didn't know what West African Arisha was. So at the time he was teaching me a combination of West African Arisha, Lukami, um, Vudun and all of those things blended together. So that at with my limited knowledge, that is where I was first. And then, like I said, I went from there to connecting with someone in Africa. And I just believed that <laughs> this was the path that I was supposed to be on. So I packed up all my things and put them in storage. And I stayed with my boyfriend for about two or three months. And I was off to Africa by myself. And I went and I met with my Aluo. I had never, of course, I met him over the internet. <laughs> mm-hmm. What's an Aluo? An Aluo is a person, well, an Aluo is a title mm-hmm. of a Babalao who is responsible for um, a community of people, you know, and he actually is the leader of that community. He's um, knowledgeable in in the the tradition of West African Arisha, and um, he, you know, is the person that will you know initiate you. He governs the initiations of into Ifa as 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 practitioners of Ifa. Okay. Um, he has a lot of other responsibilities, but that's that's one of them. So I met my Luo, um, who um, um, initiated me to Ifa and sent me back to the U.S. Okay. So that that's how I how I got initiated. <laughs> okay. Um, the other terminology. What? You said. Oh, 
Okay. It was um, Ile. So Ile in Ile in West Africa in West African region and Yoruba means house. So, and Ile is um, pretty much um, a, a house that practices West African Orisha. And I say West African Orisha because when the, Euro, when the Eurobus were taken from West Africa doing the Atlantic slave trade, they were taken to different areas of the world or, you know, West Indies, Brazil, Cuba the United States and in some parts of West Africa in some parts of West Africa you would have like um, um, a community would have a patron deity um, Shango or a patron deity Oshun and so you had these Africans that were mixed and taken to different places and so there's practice of West African Orisha kind of evolved based on the geographical locations they were in and the mixture of the Yoruba people that were mixed together throughout those different geographical areas. Mm -hmm. So you may have had someone that came from a compound that worshipped, their patron deity was Shango, or they their patron deity was Oshun, and they ended up on the plantation together. Or they ended up in an area together. And so they did what they had to do in order to preserve their way of life. And, and you know, sometimes these things were being blended together. So you, 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 that's how we come, that's how we've come up with the different, um, I don't want to say denominations, but the different ways of practicing West African Orisha in the diaspora. So you have Santeria, which now is called Lukami, and you have Condemble, and you have Voodoo in Haiti, which, you know, and, and you have now in the United States, you have a blend of that as well, because you have people from those areas that have come to the U.S., and you, you, can, you see a mixture of those um, different ways of practicing West African Orisha. We don't say that they're wrong. We just say that they're different. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't want to be the judge and jury over what people do. There are some firm foundations of the practice of West African Orisha that we stand firm on. But there are, you know, we, we don't discount what other people's experiences have been in their ways of coming up to where they are. And I say that because even practicing ancestral worship in West African Orisha is different, mm -hmm. in some, in, in the, in, especially the way that the African American practice it. Mm -hmm. You know, so but I still have my African American ancestral altar that my mother had when I was growing up. Yeah. I still have that here, mm -hmm. but I also have my gungun that I went to West African and initiated to a gungun. I still have that as my my um, foundation in practicing um, Igungun worship. Which is, what is Igungun? Igungun is ancestral worship. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's, it's, the, it's, it's the word, it's, it's the way the West Africans worship um, and their ancestors. 
They believe that you, when you put on the masquerade of the Agungun, that the spirit of your ancestors will take over the Agungun and, you know, bring messages and blessings and all of that to the people of their bloodline. So that may be Egun as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. I would also like for you to kind of speak a little about Orisha, just what are Orisha? Because we may have people who are listening who don't even know what an Orisha is. That's a very good question. Olodumare, Orisha. That's a very good question. So Olodumare is God in West African Orisha. And under that, you have the Iremoles. The Iremoles are the are the celestial Orishas, the Orishas that came down to to create the earth and create the living space that we have that we call the marketplace. Okay, so you know you, you read different um, Odus and different um, Orikis about the creation of the world and about um, the Iromoles and who they are, what they are. And, you know, they say that they have, there's 200 on the right side of Olodumare and then there's 200 on the left side of Olodumare or 2,000 or 4,000. So you get all these different numbers, but you always get that one Mm -hmm. behind it. Mm -hmm. It's always 201 Mm -hmm. or 2,001. Uh, 4001 that infinite it always they always place that infancy indication at the end and what that one is is you and me is we also have the ability to elevate to that level you know it may take some some time for us to come back and you know and, and, and do the things and you know find our destiny fulfill our destiny but we all have the ability to elevate so that's all that's always the that infinite number mm-hmm. you know that one but um, so you have Olandumare, you have the Iromoles, which is the celestial Orisha. And then under that, you have the Orisha, the humans that have elevated to Orisha status. And so then after that, you have your ancestors. And then after the ancestors, you have the high priestess of the high priests and high priestesses of West African Orisha. So now you're into the physical, the human physical. Uh, structure of uh, West African Orisha, and then you have your your Orisha priest, and then you have your devotees, and so on and so on. A lot of people call Orishas god and goddesses, and and I, I think that sometimes it confuses those who don't practice this way of life in thinking that we that we worship multiple gods. So. We like to call them deities, and that way it helps people to understand that we're not practicing a religion where we're worshiping multiple gods. We're, what we do is we see the God aspect in everything that has been created in this universe, in this particular universe, in, in, in our universes. <laughs> but in, but but to say in this one in, in in this earth we look at all of the aspects of the manifestations of God that stands around us all day every day all the time you know the wind we look at the rain we look at lightning we look at the sky we look at the ocean we look at rivers we look at forests 
We look at metal. We look at water. We look at all those things that have been created to assist us in our lives. But we see the divine aspect in all of them. Because man did not create the ocean. Man did not create the forest. Man did not create the heavens or the earth. Man did not create them. Those are aspects of God. So those are the different deities that we call Arisha that we constant that 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 God has given to help us in our life and to live our life. We can have a negative interaction with it, or we can have a positive interaction with it. A negative interaction can turn out to be a positive thing, and a positive interaction can turn out to be a negative thing. It all depends. But the core thing about West African Arisha is you as an individual, the ori in which you've selected in heaven. Ori. Ori, your head. Ori, the word ori means head in the Yoruba language. Mm -hmm. So the ori that you've accepted to come to earth with, it can be a bad head or it can be a good head. When you get to earth, it can be a bad head that turns into a good head. Or it could be a good head that turns into a bad head. It all depends on you as an individual and what path you decide to take in life. When we leave heaven, Arun, we decide that we're going to do a particular thing here on earth. But coming through the birth canal, we forget that. But once we come into the physical, our physical lives here, we are supposed to divine and find out what that destiny is. And West African Orisha believes that once you determine what your destiny is, that is the path of least resistance in your life. Not that you won't have ups and downs, but as long as you're on your path to fulfill your destiny, that is the path of least resistance. So do you have choice? You do have a choice. You can, you can go on another path. But when you're on another path and a lot of convoluted things started happening in your life because you're not on the path of least resistance, you've opened yourself up to other things happening, conundrums and calamities and things like that. Not saying that they don't happen on your path. But when you're on your path, that is the path of least resistance in your life. But you have to find and fulfill that. You have to divine and find it. We believe that when a child comes to earth, before that child's feet hit the ground, divination is done to determine why that child has come to earth. And everybody in that village or compound or community or city or town that's present in that divination, they are to assist that child in staying on its path and fulfilling its destiny. So instead of saying, sit down child, you ain't gonna be nothing. You can't pray that over a child. You have to say, go ahead and read that periodic table because you're going to be a scientist. Go ahead and do what it is that you need to do because you're going to be A, B, C, and D. 
So you're constantly praying that even the name that's given to that child is a reminder of why that child has come to earth. So whenever you call my name, Fajay Marola, if I brings wealth, you're praying wealth into my life. So. Please, I tell everybody. I tell everybody, call my name all the time, please. Yes, <laughs> yes Fajay Marola is the name that was given to me during my Ifa initiation. And it means Ifa brings wealth. So I tell everybody, please constantly call my name. Call my name every day, please. Okay. All right. Good. Good. So that brings us up to speed present did you have any other questions about the other question was odoo because we spoke quite a bit so okay the reason i say west african orisha especially now because now we're in an era where a lot of people are becoming familiar with west af with african spirituality let's put it that way and so we're beginning to branch off and we're calling... Why do you think that is, by the way? Why do I think that is? Mm -hmm. Because we're more connected to Africa. The internet, and information, the, informa the flow of information is, is opening. We're evolving back to what we are, to who we are. Mm -hmm. You know, we're natural hair, you know. We, we're, 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 we're wearing... Life. We're wearing more African yes. attire. We're we're, we're we're moving as a race of people back to that which we know. I mean, it's just like the homies pouring alcohol on the ground. That just naturally started happening. No, that's culture bursting forth. Yes. Coming forth. That's what it is. It's me naming my child Chanika, Kwanika, whatever. Those African sounds mm -hmm. are bursting forth. They're coming forth regardless of whether we want them to or not. So now you see a lot of people at the exodus of the people out of the Christian church, of the African Americans, out of the Christian church, moving more into African spirituality. But the important thing is that we get a good foundation of what it is. Because there's a lot that... There's a lot that has made, you know, that, that a lot of changes or things that have been done that don't really truly reflect West African Arisha. And so, therefore, there's, there's a movement toward making sure people learn what West African Arisha is, the, the, the authentic West African Arisha. And so, you, you have people learning about Ifa. And for some reason, they're separating Ifa from Orisha. And there is no separation. Ifa is the now is the wisdom of God. That's what that's what Ifa means. It's the wisdom of God. Ifa is not in Orisha. Arumala is the prophet that brought us the sacred oracle or the or the wisdom of God to man. So, when we try to separate it, we're taking away from, we're taking, it's like taking a part of the whole away from 
the the um, or, or cutting a piece away from the whole, and you can't do that. It it's all it, it's all one. Orisha practice and Ifa is all one. Ifa is used interchangeably. You know, people may say Ifa to reference Orumala. People may say Ifa to reference the oracle, the Odu of Ifa. People may say Ifa to reference the whole Orisha practice. But that's the part that could get confusing. But that's the part that's confusion that are used differently. Uh, right to mean different, different to different mean different things. Right. But technically, Ifa is the word. It is the wisdom of God. It is the Odu. It is the oracle. Mm-hmm. And Odu is, oh wow, okay. So, and, and when you say oracle, you're meaning when you were talking about divination. So the oracle provides the information that allows divination to occur and inform people about the path they should be on. Absolutely. The oracle, the, the, the wisdom of God is what is being, is, is what is, is, is recited to the person that is there for divination. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, you know, we have 256 Odus. We have... Um, Odus are... Would you say they're verses? Would you say they're, they're prescriptions? How would you describe some, okay, so, yeah. they want to understand what is an Odu? Yeah, okay, so the Odu itself is a verse. Mm-hmm. And it is it the, the, the verse that is attached to to the Okay, so you have 16 major Odus. You have. Okay, how can I. How, how, let me give it. Let me. Ah, uh, how can I explain it? Okay. So you have 16 major Odus, and the combination of the 16 majors gives us another 244. Not 240. The 244. 240 that blends with the 16 to make the 256. So. Under the Odu, the first Odu, Ejiogbe, you have verses. And the verses are what is considered the wisdom of God, the Odu. So you may have multiple verses under this one Odu that gives you instruction for your life. And if the Odu is, if the, if the, the first Odu is cast when you go for divination, then the Babalao or the Yanifa or or even if it's cast in in Erendelagoon, they will determine which verse is appropriate for you, which verse, which is the Odu, is appropriate for you. Now there are there, there is a deeper meaning for the word Odu. And I don't think well, that we I think, so so let's do let's look at it like this. So if a person is, is they're trying to understand this and they go for divination, mm-hmm. right? When the priest divines for them whatever mm-hmm. tools they are using mm-hmm. for the divination, they cast, throw, they, they cast, cast the it, chain, they cast or it, or they throw the shells and they read a sign. They read a sign, and this sign is the Odu, Odu. that tells them 
what that information means for that person that is sitting there. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And but then, there is a deeper meaning for the word sure, Odu, sure, which is sure. this is not the platform for right, us to right, right. to talk about. Right. But yeah. Once the It's the mystery of tapping into spirit to get the messages. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Right. And so and that and that's why it's important for you to make sure that the person that you go to to do the divination for you is a person of good character mm -hmm. and is a person that is connected mm -hmm. to the divine. Because then through that person, the Odu that falls from the tool that's used, the verse will be connected to that particular Odu mm -hmm. will then give you the information that you need right. to try to put it in plain English. Sure. sure. So with all the different combinations, which are 256 different verses, mm -hmm. which can come positive or negative, right. which adds another layer. Adds another um, layer. And then there are a lot of different conditions that it can come in, which adds the more layers. The of a more of a layer. So the person that, 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 get, that makes it gets that makes it that makes it even more tailored to your situation. Right. To that particular person. Mm -hmm. So the person who is doing the divination has to have a lot of information. Absolutely. And know what to do when that sign comes up. Absolutely. Okay. So it takes years of training. It mm -hmm. takes years of training under someone who has already mastered. Well, there's really no. We're all we're all always learning. Sure. Even even the most knowledgeable Babalao or Yanifa is always learning. But there are conditions of a person that that a person has to meet in order to be someone that you sit before and allow to divine for you. Okay. So there's there's lots of training that takes place. I'm in the process of going through that now, okay. <laughs> and um, it um, it takes a long time. It takes a lot of sacrifice mm -hmm. to um, get to that point of um, being an independent diviner sure. and a person that's independent. You never really become independent of your luo, the person that initiates you, who we talked about earlier. Sure. That person is always connected to a mentor as well, and that those relationships will go on until you trans you were supposed to continue until you transition. Mm -hmm. You'll always be connected to some elder who has more knowledge than you that can help you in deciphering a particular situation. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. We all need somebody guidance. To see mm -hmm. the back of our neck. Because right? <laughs> we can't see the back of our neck. Right. Right. Um, okay. So now Bring us up to now and what does your life look like as a practitioner and how does spirit manifest in your life currently? Well, you know, as you as you grow in this way of life, you learn that, you know, practicing West African Arisha is a way of life. It's not going to church on Sunday. Mm -hmm. You know, every day there are Arishas that we acknowledge. You know, we have our shrines. We have our altars. We have things that we're constantly doing on a daily basis. We're supposed to daily pray to our ori, 
you know, making sure that our character is in line with that, with what is considered to be appropriate for those who are supposed to be leaders in this way of life. And um, right now, my life, I have been initiated to Ifa, so I have my Iking that I attend to. Um, I have Oshun. Um, I have Egbe. What, what does this mean? <laughs> these are the deities. Break it down, the, these are icons. These, these are icons that represent the deities, which we, which we talked about earlier, mm -hmm. the Orisha and the Irimoles. Mm -hmm. So, um, when you when when your path is determined, it it will be it's determined what Orisha you either to be initiated to or to receive the icon of. So Oshun is one of those. Oshun is one of the Irimoles. Matter of fact, she's the only female that was sent down with um, some of the um, other Irimoles to establish the earth um, for humans to live upon. So um, she is the deity of um, love and beauty and femininity, and she is um, worshipped um, as a... Um, Irimole, and she's represented in cool waters, the river waters. Um, so much I can say about Oshun, but yeah. So I, I have Oshun, I have Egbe, um, I also have Shango, and I have, uh, of course, you have Eshu. If you're initiated, you also get Eshu with that. Which is? Which. <laughs> you gotta make it plain to the people. <laughs> Throwing these terms out, people are like, huh? huh? <laughs> okay, so Eshu is the deity. We, we consider Eshu the deity of the crossroads. Um, Eshu is actually the deity that takes your 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 sacrifice to the to the heavens. Um, he presents your petition, you know, before um, Olindumare. He is Orumala's best friend. You know, there's a lot of things that can be said about Eshu. Um, um, he's, he's the guardian of the crossroads. You know, when he, he's, he's usually there when you can't really decide what you want to do on some things. You know, some things, sometimes they'll say, well, take it to, Esh to Eshu to help you kind of weigh the pros and the cons of different situations. Um, Eshu is known as the trickster, you know. Eshu is known to throw something in the pot that will make things a little convoluted and kind of, you know, help you to weigh out some stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's like even... Like if you put your keys somewhere, you can't really find them. You know, it's like you're like, okay, Eshoo, you know, I know I put these right here. You, you, you help me to, to to get through this. So yeah, there's a lot of things that can be said about Eshoo. Eshoo is um, the Arisha that you're supposed to go to first, um, because like I said, Eshoo is the one that um, stands. In the path of balance. Okay. Okay. Good. From in pop culture, I also like to mention in um, Beyonce's 
Lemonade video. She channeled Oshun. That color is yellow. And you see her in yellow walking in the, the waters. Um, and so for people in pop culture, that gives them just a, a loose reference. But it also, in my opinion, um, shows how prevalent Orisha. It's becoming. Yes. It's becoming. It's it on the main mainstream. stage. It's on the main stage. It is. Absolutely. It is. And you know, I you know, people that are that are well grained in the practice of West African Orisha, they you know kind of don't like what Beyonce did, but you know what? I look at it as here we are. Something that used to only be acknowledged behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. You know? Something that only used to be acknowledged behind closed doors. And that people thought was associated with evil practice and witchcraft. And however, now it has arrived on the main stage, like you said. And, and, And everybody have their way of acknowledging it. And and. And and I applaud that. I do too. I applaud that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, but I, I don't want people to stop there. Right. If they if you want to really know about it, you know, well, I have a um, group called. I have a, a page on Facebook called Arisha um, Ifa Arisha Collective, and what that is is a it's a third it's a neutral third party that will give you references to individuals around the country that practice West African Arisha. I've had people call me in New York, you know, who do I go to? Who who do you know? Do you know a priest in, in New York that I could go to and learn from? And we'll make a reference. I've had people call me from Houston. I've had people call me from Texas. And you know, yeah, we have we have a network of traditional West African Arisha priests and priestesses in the diaspora. That if you're interested in learning, you can go to and learn. And so don't let it stop with lemonade. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. If it's if it's where you're being exposed, if that's where you're being exposed, Ifa does not do any evangelism. Mm -hmm. Okay, we don't we don't promote evangelism because we believe that spirit will draw you like it did me. Mm -hmm. You've heard my story. Right. But when it starts to draw you, we want to be ready to give you the direction that you need. Because there's a lot of people out there that are taking people um, um, down the wrong path and taking, p- taking people for granted. And we don't want that. We want people to, if they're, you know, if spirit starts to draw them in this way, we want to be ready to give them the references they need to establish a firm foundation. Yeah, we've seen this even Love Jones. You know, you hear that famous poem that he was doing. Uh, he, uh, what was her name? Nina? Mm-hmm. Nina's uh, poem. Oh, to Nina. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> right. He's talking about Yemoja and Oshun in that poem. Absolutely. And people don't even fully grasp, but that was uh, the beginning. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say the beginning, but it certainly was. Um, a very popular movie that a lot of people can identify with and there it was front and center front and center one of the most iconic scenes in that movie uh, this is 
oh hell no, it's got to be Oshun. Right? Yes. <laughs> Everybody know that line. Everybody knows that line, know but, but, they, but do they know what Oshun is? Right. Exactly, exactly. And I see where you were exposed in dance class. Absolutely. But you had a level of curiosity that where you began to study and research and you learned more. So I'm with you. I think it's great that mm -hmm. we're we that being able the, to be that it's on the, right that it's on the main stage wherever we are yeah and that it can help us to um to wake up like that stay woke we use it so generically mm -hmm. but we are waking up we are we are we are we are yeah and i think it's very important to you know that's why we do this podcast right thinking critically and asking deeper and deeper questions it's not about this is the right way it's asking another question and another question and another question because information it, like you I, I like the way you said god you're bigger than what i knew what exactly I yeah absolutely it, it's so big that mm -hmm. for us to think that we can arrive at this is it i got it I don't need to know anything else. Right. I think that's an arrogant position to take. And I Not think it's, just arrogant, it's, uh, but very limited. Limited. Yeah. Very limited. Because uh, I'm going to tell you, knowing God now with what I know, as opposed to what I knew then, it's it's so much bigger. <laughs> it's 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 so much, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I don't even have words to express it. Mm -hmm. uh, so would you say you're in a box now? No, I'm not. No, I am not. I am not in a box. Okay. I'm not in a box because what I practice gives room for everyone. There is an there's even old dudes that talk about people that are meant for the path of Christianity or the path for of, of Islam. You know, I I there was a time when I would not even think outside of Christianity as far as a path to the divine. I would not acknowledge anything else. Mm -hmm. But in Ifa, I acknowledge them all now. So could you see yourself doing something different at some point? No. Why not? Because some of those paths are very limited. I don't know of a path that is as wide open as West African Orisha. Are you open to potentially being exposed to one? Always. Always. Okay. These are hard questions. We gotta ask these. No, questions. please ask them. Please, by all means, show me. I would love to see it. I would love to see it because what I have learned thus far. And I'm still a student. I'm still learning. But I love it. I love it. Because it does not exclude any person, anything, any place. It doesn't exclude anything. Mm -hmm. Of course, the people, humans always get in. Humans always insert themselves into stuff and <laughs> well they insert themselves into everything and mess it, and mess it every, up every but when you when you when you look at but when good. i look at the foundation yeah, yeah. of 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 ifa and the instructions 
and the Odoos, and it's 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 so vast. Mm -hmm. It is so vast. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Um, any final questions we want to get into? So I have one other question. Um, <laughs> because you have a very important role in my life mm -hmm. and my path. Um, where you are now, how, what is it that you see yourself doing and, or how you see yourself assisting other people on their path? You know, that's a very, I'm glad you asked that question because that's a very good question. I've, I've been in this and I've never wanted to have godchildren. I've never wanted to be a person divining for someone else. I mean, I've, that, that I have, I've never wanted to do any of that. But it's not what I want. It's what I chose to come to heaven, from heaven to earth to do. And I am learning that, or I have learned that, that is my path. And even though I was resistant, Ifa saw it. Ifa, listen to me saying Ifa. Yeah. Mm -hmm. do Mare, Arumala, and my egg bag <laughs> saw the need to push me in the direction of learning that. You are going to be a leader. You are going to be a teacher. You are going to be a mentor to other women or to other men or to other people that need you. You know, you've had some experiences in your life and you have come, you have, you have um, overcome mm -hmm. and people need to know about that. People are going to need you when they go through that, you know, and so... Well, I think you weren't pushed. I think you were shoved. <laughs> <laughs> Pushing is too light. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You guys might know a little bit more than the audience knows, but that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I thank you for your obedience. Um, because we can sometimes be pushed and still resist. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to say you've never resisted, but there I have learned a little about you that you you are an obedient leader mm. and as a leader you're still a follower yeah. or a student so yeah. you're a teacher and a student yes and i admire you and respect you for that and i thank you mm -hmm. for you for being on your path oh yeah. thank you yeah you're thank full you. of knowledge i think um some of the best leaders are are really those who don't want to lead <laughs> yes right the best kings are those that don't and queens are those that don't really want the job. It's like they mm. they do it kind of begrudgingly. Almost. <laughs> like I just want to be just just I want to just be me. No, you're called, and the mm. the the different trials and, and and adversities are are necessary to shape you to be that leader, as you said. So I think it is um, a beautiful thing to to watch and to see manifest, and you know all good things will continue to come. So tell the people um, more about uh, how to get in touch with you. Some of the things you're doing now. You mentioned your Facebook page. Um, are you active on social media? Um, 
Okay, yes. So we have a Facebook page, Ifa Risha Collective. Um, and you Ifa can go Ifa or Risha Collective. I F A O R I S H A. No, O R I S A. Okay, the, tra- the, tra- the, the traditional West African Risha uh, way of spelling it. The dot over the S, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. And um, also, I'm on Facebook. As Yanifa Faje Morola Ife Tayo Fake Yode, which is my name, my my Yoruba name. And so Yanifa I Y A N I F A Yanifa Faje Morola F A J E M I R O L A and Ife Tayo. F E no F L oh gosh I F E F I F E T A Y O and Fakayote F A K A R O Y E right yes okay it's a lot it's a lot but um yes I'm on um and I'm on Instagram. As Faj Marola, um, and that's it. Okay, that's it. Good, good, good. Well, we are very, very happy to have had you agree to do this interview and to talk with us from the sunny, 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 beautiful, warm Miami, <laughs> mystical, magical city of Miami, Florida. Yes. <laughs> and um, you know, we will likely be having you on again at some point to um, have a deeper discussion about uh, what it means to be a practitioner of Mm -hmm. West African Orisha um, religion. Mm. Way of life. Way of life. Way of life. life. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So uh, we give you, we we extend our gratitude and our thanks to you for for doing this and I know people are going to really benefit from the words that you have shared with yeah, talking about spirit. So in closing, we like to encourage you to embrace the concept of change and learning something new. Continue to evolve, continue to transform, continue to thrive and find your own personal path to tapping into spirit. And I was obviously too blind and probably too weak to see who was responsible for my losing streak.